morning. Maybe some of you have heard the story about the mom who goes into her, her son's bedroom on Sunday morning. Son, you've got to get up. You've got to go to church. <clears throat> and he says, Mom, I don't want to go to church. I don't like those people, and those people don't like me. She says, Son, you know, you have to go to church. <clears throat> she said, Give me one good reason why I should go to church. She said, I'll give you two good reasons. Number one, you're 40 years old. And number two, you're the pastor. <clears throat> and so I thought of that. Silly little story when Logan had us think of something we're thankful for, because that's not me. I love getting up on Sunday morning. I love coming to Faithy Free. Uh, thank you for being a, a great church to me and to our family. Uh, our kids love this church, and that's a, a great gift to a pastor, so thank you. Something that, that never really ceases to amaze me is how people myself included, have this capacity to seek things, to pursue things wholeheartedly if we really want them. Uh, we have this amazing capacity, it's a God-given capacity actually, to expend time, energy, and sometimes a lot of money if we really think that something is worth it. Let me give you a couple examples from my life, and I know you can think of examples from your life. Uh, 2004, our family, we were in my hometown in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and Riley was nine years old at the time. We took this 24-hour fishing expedition to the Gulf of Mexico. We had this family friend who was 88 at the time, and uh, he'd caught a lot of fish. And so he took us, we, we drove down on a Monday afternoon, 70 miles to uh, this fish camp, and we spent the afternoon getting the boat ready and preparing for the next day. We get up before dawn, we hit the water at sunlight, we go out into the Gulf of Mexico, uh, but the water's too choppy, so we have to go back into the bayous, and we, and we fished for all morning, and we had one keeper, okay? It was a flounder, which is this asymmetrical fish that floats on the bottom, both eyes looking up, just weird-looking little fish. And I can remember driving back to Hattiesburg thinking that was one expensive fish, okay? All that time, all that effort, but it was absolutely worth it. I'd do it again in a heartbeat for those memories. Rewind back to 1985, Brenda and I, we'd been married two years and we, we went to uh, Chicago, up north of Chicago. Felt like the Beverly Hillbillies. We, we drove from South Mississippi to the North Shore, which is one of the, the most affluent places in the country. And uh, we spent three years so I could get a theological education. We spent a lot of money so that we could prepare to be a pastor and wife. And it was absolutely worth it. Again, it was an investment I gladly made because it was worth it. And I know, I'm looking at this room, I know some of you could tell stories about things you've done, money, time, effort you've spent, uh, fishing, hunting expeditions that would amaze the rest of us. Uh, you pursued an education. Some of you have started businesses. Some of you have pursued careers at great expense. Uh, medical treatment you've pursued because it was worth it. And so I say all this to say it, it is really beyond debate that if we want something badly enough, we can pursue it wholeheartedly if we want it. And I say that, I want to establish that as our baseline this morning because Proverbs 2 is going to tell us that we should pursue wisdom, wisdom, 
wholeheartedly. Spare no expense to pursue wisdom. And biblically speaking, wisdom is not merely knowledge. It's based on knowledge, but wisdom is skillful living. And so if you are wise, you are skillful in the way you speak. If you are wise, you are skillful in how you use your money. If you have wisdom, you're skillful in how you treat people. You are skillful when it comes to your attitude toward the poor. Uh, You're skillful in where you go and what you do. And so if you have wisdom, you know how to use knowledge in everyday life. And so I'm going to challenge you today. And uh, I don't always challenge you. You might get worn out if I do this every week. But I'm going to challenge you this morning to commit yourself today to make at least a modest investment in pursuing wisdom this week. And so I'm thinking, I would like to challenge you to to spend, uh, invest one to three hours this week pursuing some area of wisdom in your life. And for some of you, an hour a day is no big deal. You have the time if you're willing to invest it. For others of you, finding 10 minutes a day, that's a heroic effort, okay? So we're in a lot of different places. But I would ask you, in what area of your life do you need an upgrade Okay, and so you may say, well, in the area of speech, I I really need more skills. You you, you might say, I I often leave conversations just feeling crummy. I I feel like I've I've frustrated people, people have frustrated me. Or I leave conversations uh, thinking, I should have said less, or I should have said more. And so if you have skill when it comes to speech, If you have wisdom, you'll have more skill in that. Or maybe for you, you need wisdom when it comes to temptation. And the goal of the Christian life is not merely to avoid sin, but it's to avoid temptation. And so some of you, you'd say, you know, quite honestly, I'm just dumb when it comes to temptation. I just continually over and over and over march right into the jaws of temptation. And so I need wisdom. I need skill in avoiding temptation. For you, maybe it's skill when it comes to money. And so you can have wisdom. You can be skillful in managing a lot of money or a little money. Or you can actually be foolish with a lot of money or a little money. Or do you have this, this wisdom that allows you to honor God with everything that he's entrusted to you? Well, the message of Proverbs 2 is that wisdom in these and many other areas is available. And it is accessible for those who want it. And so I I hope that we emerge from Proverbs 2 today, not only with the desire for wisdom and a commitment to seek wisdom, but with a confidence that God gives wisdom to those who seek it. God gives wisdom to everybody who really wants it. And so Proverbs 2 is written from the perspective of a dad trying to convince his son to pursue wisdom. The, The scenario is that the son is leaving home, he's going out into the world, And uh, he wants his son to know that wisdom is attainable. It's available. And I want you to know the same thing today, too, because if you really don't think that wisdom is attainable and it's available for you in your life, you'll just live with this attitude that says, yeah, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. I'm going to die pretty much the way I am today. I've got enough. There's enough water under the bridge. I know I'm not really going to change. So if that's your attitude... You're really not going to pursue wisdom. So I hope you're convinced from Proverbs 2 as well that wisdom is available. And so Proverbs 2, 1 through 6 tells us that God gives wisdom when we seek it wholeheartedly. This father has taught his son well, and so he challenges him to retain what he's already learned and to continue seeking wisdom. He says, my son, if 
you will receive my sayings and treasure my commandments within you. And so whatever you treasure is what you deem the most valuable. You may have heard the question, if your house caught on fire or your apartment or your dorm room caught on fire, uh, what's the one thing, I mean, besides people and pets, what's the one thing you would take? Well, it would be a painting or it would be a piece of jewelry. Whatever that is, you'd grab on the way out of a burning building. That's what you treasure. The father wants his son to treasure his sayings, his teachings that way. If there's anything you let slide, son, don't let it be what your mother and I have taught you. Never let it fade from your heart and mind. And then look at verses two through four. He advocates this very passionate, intentional attitude toward learning. He says, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures. And so pause there. He says, he says and so he says, to make your ear attentive and to incline your heart, that basically means to adopt a teachable attitude. He says, you're saying to God, God, you've got my ears. I'm listening. You've got my heart. Whatever you want to put into my heart, I will receive it. And so this is, this is a very important point. I don't know if we stress it enough, but a teachable person assumes I have blind spots. I have deficiencies. An unteachable person basically assumes, yeah, I'm I'm good to go, really. I, I'm, I'm doing pretty well these days. And so a teachable person just assumes I've got these blind spots, which by definition, I can't see, right? There are blind spots, but other people can see them. And so the father wants this son to be teachable. So he cries out. And so he lifts his voice for discernment and for understanding. And if you've been reading Proverbs, you'll, you'll re remember that'll remind you of something in chapter one, because lady wisdom is personified and lady wisdom is standing out in the street. And what does she do? She cries out, she lifts up her voice, and she says, if any of you are naive, if any of you are foolish, come to me and I will give you wisdom. It's available, it's yours for the taking. And so the father says, son, I want you to return her cry in return. You cry out to her, you lift up your voice, and you say, I want that wisdom, I want that in my life. And so my question to you is, how teachable are you this morning? Zero being unteachable, a 10 being very teachable. And so if you're thinking right now, leave me alone. This is my life. I'm not stupid. You might be closer to a zero. But if you're the type of person who cries out to God for wisdom and you go to the scriptures with a sense of adventure, just anticipating the treasures that God is going to show you there, if you invite people to speak into your life, then you may be closer to a 10. God really promises little or nothing to people who have a take it or leave it attitude toward wisdom, people who are lukewarm. But if you want wisdom, if you're passionate about pursuing it, notice what we read in verses five and six. Then if you seek and pursue wisdom, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And so if you fervently seek wisdom, you will find God himself. You will discern the fear of the Lord. 
And in Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and those who seek wisdom gain the fear of the Lord. And so the fear of the, 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 fear of the Lord and wisdom feed off of each other, and, and it accelerates the wisdom you have in your life. And so the fear of the Lord is the byproduct of wisdom. And so notice that wisdom is a gift from the Lord in verse 6. It says, the Lord gives wisdom. Well, do I seek it or does he give it? Yes, both and. You seek it and it's a gift from God. There are certain types of knowledge that we can get just by common grace. God has given you abilities. You can pursue pursue certain types of knowledge. But wisdom is not like that. God gives wisdom. But we have this assurance he gives it to everybody who seeks it. Now, some of you may be wondering, well, what if I'm stuck what if I don't have the fear of the Lord, and what if I don't have the will to seek wisdom? What if I don't have either one? Uh, what do I do then? Well, I, I don't have a formula, but I do have an observation from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs uh, suggests that we have a lot more say over our minds and hearts than we think. We are not as helpless as we think. And so in chapter one, Lady Wisdom, she warned that fools are those who did not choose the fear of the Lord. You have a will. You do. You can engage your will. You can choose the fear of the Lord, not independent of God, but by his grace, you can choose it. In chapter 22, we're told, apply your mind to knowledge. You're told, direct your heart in the way. You're told in chapter 23, apply your heart to to discipline. And so we are not as helpless as we sometimes think. By God's grace, we have the capacity to engage our wills and seek wisdom as an act of faith. And I love what what Martin Lloyd-Jones said. He's got this book called Spiritual Depression. And he, and he, he uses that term, not in terms of clinical depression, but in terms of somebody who's just very lethargic spiritually, spiritually, all your desire is, is depressed. And so he says this, he says, sometimes you have to take yourself in hand. You have to address yourself. You have to preach yourself and question yourself. And so that's what I'm saying for you. Some of you may need to say tomorrow morning or tonight, self, get out of bed. It's time to grow up. It is time to seek God. It is time to pursue the thing that will change my life more than anything else the fear of the Lord, the knowledge of God. So you take yourself in hand, you preach yourself the best sermon you know, and you engage your will. You seek out to, you cry out for knowledge. You you seek her as if your life depends on it because it turns out it does. And that's what we find in the rest of the chapter. He says, God gives wisdom. God's wisdom delivers us from dangers and it keeps us on the paths of life. If you do not seek wisdom, you will be vulnerable to all sorts of dangers, terror, dangers, uh, uh, what is it, dangers, cares, and toils, and snares. That's what the song says. You will be vulnerable to all sorts of dangers, all sorts of pitfalls that otherwise you could avoid. And verses 7 through 11 speak about the protection that wisdom brings. He says, He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice, and he preserves the way of his godly ones. Then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity and every good course. Verse 10, for wisdom will enter your heart 
and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will guard you. Understanding will watch over you. And so this dad is like all the parents in the room. You wish you could, but you cannot follow your kids the rest of their lives. You can't be in the back seat for the rest of their lives. You can't stand five steps behind them and whisper to them, this is what you need to do. You just can't do it. But wisdom can. If, if, your, if your son or your daughter takes wisdom in his or her mind and heart, wisdom will guard them. Wisdom will guide them in the paths of life. And so if only his son would grow up fearing the Lord, then he would be protected no matter where he went. And then beginning in verse 10, the father gives two examples of the type of deliverance his son, uh, could, his son would experience. He, he uh, warns him against certain types of men, then he warns him against certain types of women. He says in verses uh, 12 through 15, he talks about deliverance from the evil man. He says, to deliver you from the way of evil, for the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who delight in doing evil and rejoice in the perversity of evil whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. And so this dad understood what we need to understand, that there are some people who delight in evil. They delight in evil every bit as much as the godly delight in good. There are certain who, who seek out evil every bit as wholeheartedly as God wants us to seek wisdom wholeheartedly. And so the father knows that his son needs to be delivered from certain people. And so he warns the son that, that such people exist and that wisdom can deliver him. And so without that protection, his son will, will wander into places he should not go. He will be foolish in terms of his steps. And the father wants him to avoid that destruction. And so when you think about your life and you think about your circumstances, you can probably think of people, if not presently, you can think of people in your past who wanted nothing more than for you to join them, to participate with them in doing evil. They might have even judged you or mocked you for not doing what they wanted you to do. But wisdom will give you a strength, it will give you a power, it will give you a will that nothing else can. And so I think what most of us rely on a lot of the times is just willpower. Well, if I just screw up enough willpower, if I'm strong enough, then I'll be able to resist. This is different. We're talking about having wisdom empowered by the Holy Spirit that will give us this, this strength no matter where we are. And so he warns him against the evil men, but the father knows his son also needs deliverance from what he calls a covenant-breaking woman, and uh, he also calls her the uh, adulterous woman. And again, this is, a, this is a patriarchal society, and so a man telling his son, this is a way to ex express this. I will tell you that when my girls were uh, teenagers, I warned them against the adulterous man. I warn them against the covenant-breaking man. And so the application is broader than what we read here. But listen why the son needs to seek and find wisdom. To deliver you from the strange woman. It's, it, that's sometimes translated the wayward wife or even the foreigner. But the idea is that she is out of place. She's not where she should be. She's out of place when it comes to her husband. She's out of place when it comes to her God. 
to deliver you from the strange woman, from the adulteress who flatters with her words, that leaves the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her tracks lead to the dead. None who go to her return again, nor do they reach the paths of life. And so again, the father can't follow this kid around the rest of his life, but wisdom can abide in him. Wisdom can abide with him, saying, no, not only don't go down that path, don't even look that direction. Keep your eyes straight in front of you. And so this is what the father wants for his son. If only he will seek wisdom, she will enter his heart and guide his life. Look at the blessings in verses 20 through 22. So you will walk in the way of good men and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will live in the land, but the blameless will remain in it. And the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be uprooted from it. And so this is consistent with what we find through the Bible. There are two paths in this life. There aren't six or seven or eight or ten. There are two paths. There's the broad path. If you take that path, you're going to have a lot of company. Uh, you, you will have a lot of company. The problem is it leads off a cliff. cliff. It goes to destruction. There's a narrow path. There will be few people that travel that, but it leads to life. There's the, it's called the ancient path. It's a time-tested way of living your life. And so the father wants his son to take that path. He says, you'll live in the land. You'll be protected. And the alternative would be to be uprooted, cut off. In essence, you'll be living in exile. You'll be living far from home. Wisdom will give security in everything that's really important. And so if you buy this, okay, this basic message, you will agree with me that it would be the height of foolishness not to seek wisdom wholeheartedly. If God really does give wisdom to everybody who wants it, who seeks it wholeheartedly, and that wisdom will keep you from danger and it will protect you in ways that nothing else can, how foolish would it be not to pursue wisdom? And so I'll ask you again, in what area of your life do you need an upgrade? In what area of your life do you need wisdom? Uh, it could be in relation to how you speak. It could be relation to temptation, money, relationships, marriage, your attitude toward the least of these, raising children, or every, any number of other things. But in light of Proverbs 2, I'm asking you flat out, are you willing to invest at least a modest, make at least a modest investment this week in seeking wisdom in your life? And I have in mind one to three hours this week. And so don't answer out loud, but I want you to answer in your heart, yes or no. Are you willing to purpose in your heart to seek wisdom this week. And the reason I have a sense of urgency about this and the reason I want you to have a sense of urgency is because biblically speaking, the most important day of your life is today. You find it in Psalm 95, you find it in Hebrews 3, Hebrews 4. Today, if you hear my voice, 
do not harden your hearts. Today is the most important day of your life because tomorrow is not guaranteed. And if tomorrow does come, there's no guarantee you'll hear the voice of God. You may not want to, to hear the voice of God. So today, if you hear God's voice, don't harden your heart. Don't ignore it. And I, this, this is true for whatever age you are. We've got a wide age range here this morning. Whatever age you are, today is the most important day of your life. And so I would view one to three hours as, as a simply a down payment and initial investment because if you seek and find wisdom, if you taste and see that the Lord is good, you will find it so satisfying that you will go back for more. And so how do you seek wisdom? Well, this is what we talk about every week. You seek wisdom, you seek to, seek to know God and his ways, first and foremost through the scriptures, Okay. And so find scriptures that relate to this area of your life that needs an upgrade. I'll give you an example in a minute. So seek God through the scriptures. And if you don't know those scriptures, uh, chances are you know somebody who does. And so ask somebody. If you need help, uh, email us here at, at the, the, you know, one of the pastors. We will give you scriptures that might be helpful. And then uh, you seek wisdom through prayer. You lay it before God, and you, so you don't do this mindlessly. You come before God and say, God, this is what I need. I need the, the power. I need insight to live this way. You seek God. You seek wisdom through other people, through conversation. We seek wisdom in community, and then you practice. You put it into practice. Solid food is for the, uh, is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Evil. That's Hebrews 5.14. And so you practice it, you succeed. You practice it, you fail. You learn from that. You practice it, and over time, you become wise. And I would encourage you to think in terms of months and years, not days, okay? Well, I tried this yesterday. I tried wisdom. doesn't work for me. No, think in terms of the long term, okay? So I have this college-age friend, we were talking this past week, and he, he mentioned to me, he said, I'm just always bound up. I'm always worried what other people are thinking about me. And so I was like a, like a doctor with a prescription. So I said, okay, let's just come up with some scriptures. And he's got this nine days of spring break. And I'm like, dude, you can't waste this, okay? You're not sleeping until noon. You're not going to sleep at noon and then just you know, watch daytime TV. You're going to seek God on this. And so uh, I wrote out six or eight uh, scriptures that relate to it. And there are some areas of life where you only care what God thinks, okay? What other people think, irrelevant. But scripture also talks about a good reputation, both inside the church and outside the church. And so you need to take those things into account as well. And so I handed him the paper, prayed for him. I'm praying for him uh, today. I'm texting him, encouraging him, seek God daily. And I'm excited to see what God does in his life. This past week, I, I recognized an area of my life, and I had the scriptures, okay? I've got the knowledge, but the wisdom, sorely lacking, sorely lacking. So I met with a friend who was very skillful in this area, very skillful in, in actually living. And so I asked him, what do you do in this situation? Not just up here, spiritual knowledge. What do you actually do? And I took notes, and I got ideas, and I'm practicing it. I'm seeking wisdom that way. And so my encouragement to you, there, there are great riches in the body of Christ. They come from God, but there's great riches in the body of Christ. This week, as you seek wisdom, expect, anticipate that God will give you wisdom as you seek it with a whole heart. 
Let's pray. God, I ask uh, today on behalf of my, my friends here, I pray, God, that you would meet us this week. We pray, God, that this week would not be business as usual. God, no doubt there are some people here today who need wisdom in uh, life or death situations. Their, their whole worlds depend on seeking wisdom and finding it and walking in wisdom. No doubt there are some here today who are on a path that leads to destruction. God, we know that you offer so much more. You offer wisdom. You offer life to everybody who wants it. And so, God, as a people today, we say to you that we want it. We, we purpose in our hearts to seek you this week. And we look forward to the ways that you will, will meet us, that you will give us wisdom. We pray, God, that we would find great delight in you. And so, God, we pray these things in faith. Uh, we want to honor you. We've got a very finite amount of time in this world. We want to honor you. We want to walk in wisdom, walk in truth. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.